All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast. I'm your host, Felicia, and I'm a lady talking about sex. And this episode is unlike any other. We actually have an individual who is coming on the podcast under an alias. So we're going to call this person Cameron. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about sex work and actually what it was like to get into the sex industry during the pandemic, what it's been like doing sex work online, how it's framed and maybe reframed their journey um, in regards to the sex industry, how sex workers kind of have gone by, how sex workers have been impacted by COVID-19, and kind of just get more information about their experience. So Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so nice to have Mm -hmm. you. Um, I guess I'm sure a lot of people want to know a little bit more about you. So whatever you're comfortable explaining, what was your interest in coming on the podcast today? Yeah, so uh, I'm a McGill student. um, And I know, especially during COVID times, you know, like, everybody is so curious about sex work and everybody is like, oh, I'm so frustrated. Like either everybody has, you know, their own reasons. Like a lot of people had jobs uh, going into this pandemic and then they lost them because of COVID. Um, And, you know, I just see so many posts all the time where people are like, oh, I'm going to start an OnlyFans. Like I'm not like blah, 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 blah. Just get into it. Um, And I think that stems from either a lot of curiosity and I just, I wanted to share my story because it is such a wild story. Like there's so many ups and downs to it. And I just wanted to like enlighten people, I guess. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the time to come here. I know it's, it's a little bit scary. And I think part of the, kind of the preface that I want to give is I wanted to ask a little bit about your education background and maybe some of your career aspirations, which probably makes you want to be under an alias at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, So what is that for you? And how was that um, either a deterrent from doing sex work? Or maybe why is that a factor now still kind of being under an alias? Yeah, so I'm in the field of biophysics, bioengineering. Um, and I've always been very studious and always very motivated professionally. And so obviously, like in today's time, sex work is obviously is very looked down upon. <laughs> I think it's it's getting better, but it's still, you know, something that throughout the whole process I've had to keep from people. I wouldn't want employers finding that information out. Um, And so while it's not the end of the world, I guess, if, if people do, you know, if they hear my voice and they're like, oh, I know who that is, it's just something that I am conscious of. No, absolutely. I, I even remember Uh, When I started the podcast, I'm in an undergrad program uh, to be a kindergarten elementary teacher. Mm -hmm. So this was something where I was like, I'm really deterring from that path, the educational career that I kind of initially wanted, uh, because I don't think I could ever go back into teaching with all of 
half of my sex life out for the world. And then I'm talking about sex every week. Um, I don't think I could be a respected professional or I would face a lot of adversity because I know the teaching profession is all like hide your Facebook, hide your Instagram, hide everything. You don't have a life outside of being a teacher, which is like another problem in itself. But I definitely understand kind of that it just like a fragment of that shame because I'm doing sex education and I'm still like, Ooh, I don't know who I can talk to about this. I'm not sure yet. Um, which family members are excluded from these conversations. So I'm really excited to learn more about kind of your experience and how that's kind of shaped your understanding. But I guess let's start from the beginning yeah. So what got you into sex work? Um, and did you have like any sort of bre- like background knowledge or understanding of what you were going to do or how to safely do it? So I had for the past, I guess for for most of my life, I've been very open um, about these kind of things. And I've had a lot of respect for sex workers, even though I, I hadn't gotten into it before. I just, I was always researching about it um, just because it, it made me curious. And I, so I started right around this time last year, actually, like right as the pandemic hit, like right before quarantine happened, um, I had a lab job going into that summer, um, but I wasn't getting paid at that time. and. I, due to some issues with my parents, I lost all my funding. Um, And so I was like, oh crap, how am I gonna continue to study at school? How am I gonna continue to pay rent and buy everything? And so I went to like McGill Financial Aid and unfortunately I don't qualify for any financial aid because my parents make too much. Um, And so I researched ways because they told me like they're there still might be a chance. Um, and I looked and you basically need to like have your parents sign a thing saying that they are like, they don't, they will never have anything to do with you ever again um, in order to basically qualify as an independent. Um, because I guess the Quebec government expects your parents to pay, but like they don't actually enforce that. So I was like, I need money fast. And a friend of mine, actually recommended they were like yo you should look into camming because I hear that people can make all this money so I was like okay like I'll like just look at that and then so I was watching some people and I was like oh like I could do that like so I got on one night um I like filled in my information sent everything and then I just made like a thousand (laughs) dollars Like in one night, I didn't even really get like naked that time. I just was talking to people. And so I was like, oh my God, this is like most of what I would need in a month. Um, So then I just, I kept doing that and I kept making money, but then eventually I hit a bit of a stagnant period. And that's when you really need to take it to the next level and start really investing in what you're doing. And that's where it really becomes work. So can you explain that 
plateau period a little bit for folks who like maybe don't know like well I guess maybe explain the process of camming and like what that is and how do you like generate viewership and then when do you get to that point where people are like okay now we need more yeah so when you first make a chatterbait account which is the site that I was on so you have your account um you can basically put so you're basically there um and people can chat with you and then you have a camera and you're basically just it usually starts out where you're just like talking to people And then you can either have a menu of things that you're willing to do for like tokens and tokens correspond to real dollars. I think it's like a thousand tokens is like X number of dollars. Um, So a lot of what cameras do is they have a menu um, for different things, for different values. And so as soon as somebody starts tipping for the night, that's usually when you start doing stuff and then more people start tipping. And so you really get this big snowball effect and then it just, it builds and builds and builds. And then you, and then once people like start logging off then you're like, okay, I'm done for the night. Um, But the first week that you're on it, Chatterbait really boosts you in the system. So lots of people will see you. And so you'll get lots of attention. That's where you'll see your most growth. But after that period, you really have, are relying on the followers that you have and doing things that will get people to watch and stay on your page because the more people that are watching, the more people will then see you. Um, And so at that point, you really need to figure out a balance between doing something that'll get attention and get you money, but also that's not giving everything right away because otherwise you could be undervaluing what you're doing. Um, And that part, and then you have all these like little uh, widget things that you make um, that are, I actually coded some of them myself. Uh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Entrepreneurship. That's Um, so badass. I love it. (laughs) So you have like these widgets, um, So you put like, there's like roll the dice. So like you can, they can pay like a certain number of tokens and then like a dice is rolled and then you'll like do something um, or like share something or, and it's, 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 it's really cool, but you really need to like, it's at that one week point, you really need to think about how you want to grow Because then you need to start doing, I guess, like market research where you look uh, at like other girls and what they're doing that gets them so many followers. And you need to look at what just like what other people are consuming. Um, And you really need to also the thing about camming is that you really need to be and actually sex work in general is you're selling a well, you're selling a fantasy, but you're you're sort of like their virtual girlfriend. So you're like a lot of people that go on there, they're just like really lonely and bored. And for the most part, they just want to talk to somebody. Um, and that also gets kind of draining <laughs> after a while when you're just like talking to people for hours. Um, and then you need to basically keep it up for a while. Um 
So, and once you do that, then you think, and you've, I guess, like, you feel like you've maxed out. Um, I know, like, after, like, a month of camming, I got very burnt out from that. I was like, I would rather do something else. So I was looking at stuff because at that point, COVID was full swing um, and my lab was unable to pay me because of the pandemic. So I looked into OnlyFans because I was like, oh, like modeling seems chill. Like I could just go do a shoot, maybe like take some videos. And I was like, oh, like I'll, I'll work that because sometimes like talking to people for hours is annoying. Um, so then I got into that. I booked a few photo shoots with some photographers and I made an OnlyFans. And that was, that is definitely a whole other ballpark than just camming. Because for that, that is, the majority of that is work. Because then you need to (laughs) make other social medias to constantly market yourself and constantly connect with new people. And you're still talking to people all the time. And with that, they can basically message you whenever. um, And you really to like I've lost my train of thought (laughs) no that's okay so when you felt like your camming kind of plateaued like OnlyFans my my brother is like the selling point he's like oh you're a girl going OnlyFans like it's your time to shine and I really I really did inquire about it too but the amount of work it is yeah. to not only market yourself, but to compete with other people. Mm-hmm. The The most interesting only fan experiences that I've kind of seen are the ones that are like super niche, like people who like have a cast and they like put yeah. things in their cast and like get money for it. Like, it's always like, what's making you different? What's making you unique? Yeah. Because like, I'm looking at you and like, we have some very like different physical traits, but like, we would definitely fall into the same category of like mm-hmm. person. Um, yeah. So it's like, what can we do next to like make everything different? And uh, it's interesting yeah. to like menu yourself and like things that you're going to do because yeah. it's like not a product, but like. Exactly. So That's... like, how was that for you? Like once you switched over to OnlyFans and was that the end all be all of your um, sex work career or did it? Did it go somewhere else? It, yeah, it's, it, it's a story. So the thing with OnlyFans is when you get on, you're not going to make a lot of money right away from it. Whereas with camming, you really, especially on Chatterbait, you get sucked into that like one week high where you're just like constantly getting that money. Um, and you really need to build your brand. And so what I did was I made my OnlyFans and I was constantly like meeting with photographers and like planning different shoots to do with them because I was I I had an idea that I wanted to do something creative with the sex work because I've always like really admired like art nude photography and I was like you know I actually would be interested in doing that um especially working with photographers who do kind of more like dark shots I thought that was really cool but yeah marketing yourself is a huge it's something that you 
everybody does it like in general, like you figure out how you want to present yourself to people, like which side you want to show, what you want to share. But once you make yourself a commodity and you're literally saying like, I will show you this, like I will be this for you for X amount of dollars. It really, it does take a toll on you. Um, And you really, it's something that is not a nine to five job. Like you're constantly doing it. You're constantly on social media, reaching out to different people, reaching out to your clients um, and like trying to convince them to buy your product. And yeah, it's, it's very, it's a headspace that I had not been in prior to that. Absolutely. So how do you think kind of those two experiences shaped your understanding of sex work? And even just like, I'm sure during COVID, especially during like March COVID last year, everybody was in like a psychologically very unique place. Yeah. So adding that responsibility of being this like entrepreneur and also marketing your body, which is like a concept that like we still have trouble with even though sex work is literally the oldest job of all time we still like can't grapple that like just because you can't tangibly make something with your hands doesn't mean you can't you know flash your tits and it's like a different thing completely like yeah so the thing is is it wasn't just those two experiences and it wasn't just photos because once you're doing photos for a certain amount of time on OnlyFans, you really, again, you grapple with that. Oh, I need to be unique. I need to be competitive. Um, So eventually you start doing videos and photographers and just like people online um, will basically be like, yeah, to be competitive, you need to start like working with other models. Um, And so at the time I was still feeling like very broke. and I was, I was hooked on the possibility of getting more um, and being more and more financially independent. So I was like, okay, like I'll try that. And then that's where it really starts to get iffy. And you start to do things that you, like you, you almost like, like you just, you wouldn't think that you would do them but like in the time it just feels so casual and then afterwards it's like oh like I really like that was a trip (laughs) so do you feel like you have like a lot of regrets in going online or do you feel like you were wrapped up in the headspace and maybe it's like one of those situations where like people can't really understand it until they're actually in it. Um, For sure. For sure. I don't think, and you know, like even when I tell my friends, some of the things like there's, there's a lot of like horror um, at some of the things. Um, I think people don't really understand, like they just seem so shocked as to like how it could get to a certain point and they so the question sorry the question was do I have regrets <laughs> yeah 
but like however you feel you can express that yeah I do you still feel a little bit of shame associated with it because I mean you're on a sex positive podcast I think sex work is work like I'm not for sure oh for sure there really isn't anything you could tell me and I'd be like oh unless like you were ever in danger then that would that's my concern like if you were ever at Um, risk or unsafe but like whatever you do with your holes I'm like they're your holes like I don't care yeah like I think looking back on it now there were definitely you know situations that I was in like like going I like I went to photo shoots alone um and when I started working with this other model she was like what the frick like why are you going to photo shoots alone like don't you know how like creepy most of these photographers are and I was like yeah but I was broke (laughs) and like looking back on it now it's like it's I'm like oh wow yeah like I could have died there (laughs) um but I think I think I I used to feel more it's really it's really tough to say if I have shame because it's like I Harding feels like I I was like, look, like I did these things. I had to do them. Was it something ultimately that worked for me mentally? No. Um, like I'm, I'm glad I got out, but at the same time, like it was character development. And I, I, I feel like in the, in the time, like it really made sense. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. And like, I, like it hasn't really changed my mind about sex work. Like I, I still have an enormous respect for it. Um, I just don't think it, I just, it, I just got too burnt out at the end. Yeah. And granted you're under 25, you're a student, you were in a pandemic and you were also in a strenuous relationship with your parents that we don't have to go into detail with yeah I think there's a lot of variables at play and I just I just hope that you're not still feeling any sort of I don't know if like what you're conveying is just pure exhaustion from like the memory of it yeah or if I like if you're still dealing with some sort of like it could even be like a subconscious shame that you just like don't even understand that yeah. you have yet. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm definitely dealing with a lot of that, you know, like societal anti sex work, you know, I guess just like mantra. Um, like, there is like so much societal shame. Um, that's definitely where the bulk of it comes from, actually. Like, like it's like if society was fully accepting of it, I would have no problem going without, like, an alias. Um, so it's just, yeah. I, I do think, though, that a lot of folks that get into sex work are kind of put in a similar position that you were. Um, and it isn't for everyone. Um, I don't think yeah. that like we're trying to advocate everyone should be a sex worker, but I think that 
like this conversation is really important to normalize because when we look back throughout history, male and female prostitution has been there. And now we've had, you know, we have all of these technological advancements, which hopefully will make sex work Mm -hmm. a lot safer for folks. And I'm sorry that you were in situations where you were unsafe. Um, Yeah. If you could go back and maybe tell yourself something, or maybe there's like a young girl or or boy or whoever who's interested in pursuing sex work during this pandemic, what would you, what kind of like words of uh, encouragement or just like precautionary <laughs> measures would you tell them? I would say I, d- I d- definitely want to let them know how much work it is because it is like this last summer, like I was working harder than during my courses during the year. Like it is such a time commitment. Um, And it's, it's a huge, I would say really look into yourself mentally um, to see if you are in a place where you would maybe feel more comfortable doing certain things Whereas you wouldn't if you were in a different headspace. Um, and I think that's, that's, it's really comp, like not to be like, oh, like sex workers are crazy, but like, I think a lot of people that I've spoken to in the industry, um, it is a, a very common thing where it's like, yeah, like once we got into it, we maybe like, we were different than we were at a vulnerable time. And I mean, there are plenty of people who it it does work for um, and who are like perfectly like have like, I don't want to say like perfectly happy with their decision or like that, because it's like, you know what? Like I I accept my decision, but like, it's like, it's hard to work. (laughs) I think what I'm getting is that one thing that I think if you could go back and change, I think you would set up and establish boundaries for yourself before you kind of get into the act. And I even think like, if you put a certain amount of money in front of my face right now and told me that I have to do X for this amount of money, like you could get me to do a lot of things. And I really think that people think that they're so beyond this, but really money, like money really navigates like a lot of things in our society. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that setting up those boundaries and establishing those things before you get into the work is like very, very important. And I know a lot of people that do OnlyFans kind of say that, like, make sure you know exactly what you're willing to do and exactly what you're not willing to do. Yeah. And I do. Going in, I, I did have boundaries, but they were, they were sort of soft boundaries and nothing really met like hard boundaries that I had. I think I, I think I should have considered those a bit more. Um, and I think it, it honestly having boundaries is going to like maximize your income too, because I think I, you know, I got into like some pretty like hardcore stuff, like pretty soon after I started, like there were like other models that I've worked with. They were like, yeah, like I didn't do this stuff until like many more months and that, and so it's, it's sometimes better to like withhold stuff. Um, but you will have to push through periods of people not being interested because you're not giving them what 
they want, but it's all about finding your niche. And I think you're more likely to do that actually, if you do withhold some stuff. Yeah. But I even think for the like mental health perspective as well, that you were kind of talking about, I think it's really important. Um, especially like a lot of us weren't in a good situation last March. So to make those decisions where you're so, so vulnerable, and then you're also going with going into all of these new situations during a pandemic, I think just makes things challenging. And you're also very young, like we're both very, very young. So to even like, reflect on your own sexual experiences as a young person, and like to even understand like, how to communicate boundaries is like something we're not taught. Yeah. I was never taught boundaries. I had to learn that the hard way. And I can't imagine yeah. how you had to learn that in the situation that you were kind of put in. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, like before I would go into shoots, like I would be very clear about my boundaries. I was like, I'm not doing this, this, and this. And there are people you work with who will try to pressure you into doing those things. And you just really need to be like very aggressive and saying like, no, I am not doing this. Let's keep it professional. Like do not make me do this or I will just walk out right now. Um, but I think, yeah. How do you feel like your perception of sex work has changed since this experience like from I guess you can even start from like what was your understanding and profession of sex work maybe prior to 18 and then as a young adult like how did that change and then you being in it how has it changed as well so before I was 18 I was like oh like sex workers are all drug addicted like on the streets like doing god knows what I I really, I think when I was like 18, I, because they are becoming ish, like more mainstream, I want to say, like on like TikTok and like Twitter and all that, just talking about their stories, especially in like sex positive spaces. Um, And so that really gave me a bit more, I guess, context to these people. And I actually started listening to some podcasts where they had some sex workers on. I think it was, it was Holly Randall does one on YouTube where she basically talks to all these stars in the adult industry. Um, And I was like, oh, these are real people. And they really have, and they're also actually really intelligent, a lot of them. And they just got into this industry. Um, And so that, that probably, actually was a factor in sort of encouraging me, I guess, to get into it. Cause I was like, oh, I'm a real person too. I can do this. Maybe I can make this money. Um, and then I think, so coming out of it, I, I still do have respect for the industry. I have a lot and I have nothing but respect for the people who are in it, but I definitely, emphasize the work aspect of it now way more than the sex part of it because it's it's really such a time commitment and the bulk of it especially with OnlyFans is marketing work um and so that that definitely has increased my understanding 
So do you think that your shift into OnlyFans, do you think it negatively affected your mental health at the time? Or do you feel like you maybe just weren't passionate about the work you were doing, but there was a really big money motivation to it? So that's why it's like less enticing or... So I, I was actually pretty passionate about the work I was doing, especially some of the more artful photo shoots. I thought those were really cool. And I think I, I'm actually pretty proud of some of them. I'm like, these are good photos. Like, this is cool. Like, they tell a story. Um, but I think if it had just been, like, the creative part of it I would have been I would have loved it um and that also really drew me into the OnlyFans because I was like I want to create something as opposed to maybe just like having my own naked talk show (laughs) on the internet um and but most of the to do the creative part you need to spend most of the time marketing yourself and planning and doing all of these things that are it the marketing part of it was the part that really burnt me out. And then going back to the part of how like you're marketing yourself and you're doing all this like desk work, marketing your body that just really drained me. No matter how passionate I was about like the photos, I was just, it just like it, it wore me down so much. So how long was your experience in the like sex industry? Yeah. It was about, it was only about like four months, I want to say. So it wasn't really that long, but it feels like I was in it for a long time. Um, Yeah. Do you feel like the, because essentially like, And I don't think there's anything negative to it, but using the word objectification kind of comes with like it's negative connotation. But do you feel like the objectification of kind of your own body um, had a negative effect on you? Yeah, it's it's not necessarily the objectification because you're really, you're not, I never viewed it as selling my body I viewed it as selling a character and like a version of myself and I had to act a certain way be a certain way when I'm talking to all these people and it's really it's it's more commodifying yourself and constantly having to be that person and I think when that character you've created is the reason you're financially stable and the things you have previously done in like academia, research, work, otherwise are not keeping you financially afloat at the time, you definitely start to lose sight of who you are without the sex work because you're like, oh, is Mimi worthy? Am I, you know, useful in society, I guess, when like this character I've created is so much more is like the reason I'm alive basically. Um, And I think that after a while is really what wears you down. That's a really interesting perspective because I do think that I know like 
some people do sex work as like a side hustle. Some people do sex work as a side hustle with a sex education business or yeah. programming or so it's it's I haven't really met a sex worker that's only done like one thing like where it's just porn or yeah. it's just only fans or it's just this or that but that's really interesting because you are a stem student and you are a stem mm-hmm. femme fa- femme passing student so yeah. it's really interesting that that uh that take you have but I think I think with time, you kind of come to realize, like, I do all of this sex work, it's not sex work, sex education work for free. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to look at. And I think you kind of figure this out when you get older and you're like, oh, I have this really interesting degree, but there's no jobs for me because our society doesn't Mm -hmm. prioritize or value an array of domains. It's a very, like, capitalistic um, economy obviously created by men for men so Mm -hmm. but that reflection is very very vulnerable and I really appreciate you kind of sharing that because I don't know how many other sex workers especially young sex workers would be willing to kind of recognize that um Mm -hmm. but for people listening what are some things that you would want them to kind of like take away from your experience and from the conversation that we've just had right now that it can be one that it can be very heavy. Um, it's, you know, it's not, it's not a nine to five. It, it does come with a lot of, I guess, I'm sorry, baggage, but it does come with, it doesn't come without consequences is what I want to say. Um, but also that, you know, you people really should respect like people and they shouldn't, judge people who are involved in the sex industry or sex education because at the end of the day like it's people have their different reasons and at the end of the day like the there's nothing wrong with the work itself and it's like in a in a perfect society these things would be perfectly normalized um I just it's so hard to answer because it's like it's 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 not it's not sex work itself that is the main cause of like the mental health baggage that one experiences that was that was weird no I think I get what you're saying um because I think that a lot of people kind of just think like, oh, I'm going to commodify my body and that's the end of it. But you talked yeah. about kind of like, kind of like the the pyramids scheme a little bit of what yeah. it's like to be a sex worker. And you start with marketing yourself, you start with a client base, then you communicate with the client base. A lot of your client base is, is lonely old dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no getting around that. And it's one of those things where, it's kind of like the way we value teachers. And I know people are going to be yeah. like, oh, teachers are like not comparable to sex workers. But if you really think about it, yeah, teachers are there to nurture and foster a large group of children. Uh, and there's, yeah. so, you know, they, they educate them, but that can kind of be comparable to the like commodification of your body. You're showing yeah. these people this thing that you have, whether mm-hmm. it's your brain or your boobs, 
it's yeah. the same thing and we don't value that like time and effort and mm-hmm, like enough at all and we don't value at all fostering relationships or fostering quote-unquote client clientele yeah so it's I think so going into it I also you know like I would see like like social media of like porn stars and OnlyFans models with like Lamborghinis and I was like oh like the money will be totally worth it like I will just have like (laughs) you know because I was going into it like pretty sex positive I was like if it ends up like on the other end I was like you know what like I'll just go for it like I'll be happy like I'll have money like I can just do this forever like it sounds like a great gig and I was like you know maybe then because I am passionate about like sex education as well so I thought you know maybe I could do that afterwards or alongside of it and like bring I guess that background to the table but I think in the end like it 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 catches up with you. And I don't think anybody has the, I guess, emotional stamina to just keep do it like every day for a super long time. No, absolutely. Um, so kind of closing off because you ultimately got into this industry in this field because you needed financial aid essentially and you needed it fast. Um, so what would you tell in particular, like young women listening to this podcast who may be in the same situation as you? Um, I know I'm not sure what the government, at least in Canada is going to do about, um, financial aid for folks who can't get a job this summer due to COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you say to them? I would say try to go the government route first. Um, like I, I didn't end up applying for CERB because at the time when I started, it wasn't a thing yet. And then by the time it was a thing, I had fully set sail on that ship of sex work. And I was like, Oh, like I'm basically employed now. Like I have money. Um, I, I would say don't, don't randomly decide to do it in a night or even a week, um, or even a month, like take time if you are really considering doing sex work you know do your research look at podcasts but also try to look at you know spaces of you know model spaces where they're very candid about their experiences um and some of the negative impacts that it can have on your mental health because i think i i really underestimated that part um but yeah as far as you know financial security, really look to the government. Um, Also, if you are interested in the sex industry, by, you know, talking to various people, it seems like, like if you're on the photography end of things, or the actual creating parts of it, it can have less of a mental health impact than when you're in the business to commodify yourself. That is something that I do regret not doing because I've always been a very creative person. And when I did make the step into OnlyFans, I did it because I wanted to do creative projects. Um, And I just, I didn't, I didn't really have any photography or much. I had like a little bit of filmmaking experience, but not much. Um, But then I actually met some people who like recently got into it. And I was like, oh, I totally could have done that. And it might've ended up differently. 
Interesting. Maybe like build your way up into it, especially if you're young and you're a student. Um, Okay. No, I think that that's, it's a great way to start and it's a great way to kind of dip your toe in without getting, without diving in. Um, Yeah. But I really, really appreciate you coming on the pod and just having a very candid conversation. This isn't it isn't really where I thought the combo was going to go, but I'm really happy we really? kind of talked about it. Yeah. I think where did you, you think it was going to go? To be honest, I thought it was going to be like, wah, 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 wah. I love being a sex worker. This is amazing. <laughs> this is the dream. I thought you were going to sell me. Like, I, I, I mean, was it, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like ready to be sold on a sex. Like a lot of people do want to be, I like, there are parts that are very glamorous. Like I would go with other models and we would go to like this, like $5,000 a night, like resort and like Tremblant that like just opened because like, she was like an influencer and like, you know, like staying in Fairmounts and stuff. Like there are some pretty nice aspects of it, but it, it really is a bit of a mixed bag, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like it's, I think it's great to see like all of the dimensions and opportunities that come from these very unique and uh, like individualist jobs because you are your own boss and you are commodifying your own body and like you have autonomy to do so but it also does come with some psychological ramifications and that's kind of like the whole point of the podcast like we want to have these conversations and sex can be just sex but also sex can have its own yeah psychological ramifications emotional ramifications and they can be positive and negative so I really I really appreciated the conversation we had Cameron and (laughs) um yeah just thank you so much for coming on yeah it was a good time (laughs) okay I'm glad if you're interested in learning more um about this conversation, learning more about safe sex work. Um, You can check out the Ladies Let's Talk About Sex podcast on Instagram. And if you want more episodes like this, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Thanks for listening.